0: Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Will Tucker. Well, how's everybody doing? You guys doing all right? I heard a little more excitement earlier, so let's get some feedback. Is okay. you doing okay? You got Thanksgiving coming up this week. You're gonna go eat some turkey, hopefully a lot of it, uh, and all kinds of other good stuff. So Well, we are glad you are here today. My name is Will Tucker, I'm the Small Groups Pastor, and I'm excited to continue our message series, Follow Me. And today, we're gonna be looking at follow me where you don't wanna go. But last week, let's talk about that for just a moment. Last week, we talked about following God now, now. Now, if you were here last week, you know what that means. If you weren't, it means right now. It means right in the moment. It means following God, Even when maybe you don't feel like it, maybe it's inconvenient for you, maybe you just don't want to. But God is calling us to follow him. Every day he gives us opportunities to follow him in specific instances in our life. So we looked at that and we looked at Jesus and we looked at the example that he set while walking on the earth and how the fact that his number one agenda while walking the earth was people. And if we're going to be Christ followers, then our agenda needs to be the same agenda that he had, which, was, which is people. And so those are some of the things we looked at. And then we looked at how we could partner with God as world rescuers. As Christ followers, we're a part of his plan to rescue the world by taking the message and the love of Christ to other people. But today, we're going to focus on following God where you don't want to go. I know you all have places where you don't want to go, that God has led you to, and so we're going to look at some of that in just a few moments. But before we do that, let me share a little story with you. I don't know how many of you have ever been whitewater rafting. Let's raise your hand. If you've been whitewater rafting, raise your hand. Yep, quite a few of you. Okay, okay. Um, So, I was blessed a couple years ago to get to go whitewater rafting on the Nile River in Uganda. Now, I know you may be thinking, well, the Nile River is in Egypt, Will. And I'm like, well, yes, but it starts in Uganda and actually flows north, okay? The source of the Nile River actually starts right there in Uganda. So we got to go rafting on this river. Now, I've been rafting on a lot of rivers in my life, but I've never been on one to quite this size or power. When I stood at the banks and looked at the rapids we were about to enter, it was humbling, I remember the guide. He stood there and he was giving us information about what we could expect during the day. And he started looking around at our feet. And he noticed that we all had these really expensive sandals on called chacos. Some of you may know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, he said, you know, I know a lot of you have gone out today. When I say we, there's a bunch of expats there because, you know, Ugandans are smarter than we are. And they know that there's no reason you would pay good money to go put yourself in this river that could take your life. That made no sense to them. So it's all these expats standing there and he's looking at our shoes and he's saying, I know you spent a lot of money on those, probably more than most of us make in a week, but you know what? You can't take those sandals with you today. Said this river likes to eat sandals like that. It will literally rip them right off your feet. Now, again, I've been on a lot of rivers in Tennessee, in North Carolina, even over in Australia. I've never had a guide say, you can't wear shoes because it's just going to be useless. They're going to rip, it's going to rip the, the shoes right off your feet. So there's a little bit of fear all of a sudden that I didn't quite have that, that was new there. So, well, we get into this rapid on the last rapid of the day. Now, I'm going to show you a picture here, if we could put that up. So this is the rapid that was the last wave we hit at the end of the day. You can see me there. The person in the water to the right is my wife. Um, yes, I brought my wife along on this trip, and my youngest son, now he wasn't on this raft, he was on a different one at the time, but the next picture is what happened after. This rapid liked to just eject us out of the raft. Now that's my wife, I'm submerged under the water, the problem with this particular rapid was that this was just the first of five waves in this series of rapids. And so, as you struggle to come up for air and fighting to, for your own life, as you come up, the next wave hits you, and the next wave hits you, and the next wave hits you, and you're just literally wondering, like my Ugandan friends, why did I do this? Why did I pay good money to put myself in this, this situation? But you know, once I stopped fighting against the water, once I relented my, my fight and I said, you know what, I'm just gonna submit to the river, there was a peace that came. There was a peace that even though I was surrounded by rough waters, as I stopped fighting against the river and I let it take me where it wanted to go, there was enjoyment, there was peace, and it was fun. And I think sometimes our relationship with God can be the same way. You know, I can think of times in my life where I have fought against God. Can you think about times like that? Times where I have been fighting against him and yet it, was, it just seems to be a losing battle. God, God's direction for your life, he always has a response when we choose not to fall where he's leading us. And so he pursues us. And so that's some of the stuff we're gonna look at today is how God pursues us in this. I imagine if you think about it for a moment, you could think of times in your life where you chose not to follow God and yet God was still prodding you along. Maybe it was that time that you chose not to follow him and he put another Christ follower or a friend of yours in your life that said, hey, you know what? I think we should go do this or reach out to this person. It was exactly that thing that you had already in your mind said no to. Or maybe it was that time where He simply continued to give you another opportunity and another opportunity and another opportunity to follow him in the direction that he was trying to take you. Well, I want you to go ahead and take out your message notes and let's open up to the book of Jonah and we're going to begin reading here. We're going to look at how Jonah literally ran away from God and how God responded. Okay, so we're going to pick up in Jonah chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It said, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because of its wicked because its wickedness has come up before me. Now I want to give you a little background on Jonah here. You see Jonah was a prophet of the Israelite people. Jonah's job was basically to take God's message and deliver it to the people. So sometimes it was, "Hey, you're not living right. This is the laws you need to turn and get back in line with what God wants you to do." Sometimes it was prophecies, but sometimes God would take his prophets and send them to another nation and give them a warning. Well, God was doing that this moment. He takes Jonah and he wants to send him to the Assyrian nation, to the the city of Nineveh and tell them that they need to turn from their ways. It would be like God sending, well, let me tell you a little bit more about the Assyrians. So God actually before this had previously taken the Assyrians and used them to punish his own people. He had taken the Assyrians because his people had gotten a little out of line, and so he had used them to punish them, and so it would be like God asking George Bush back around 9-11 to go to the Al-Qaeda and say, hey, you need to repent of what you did and turn back to God. Now, I don't know about you, but if, if, if you were around when that happened, I wasn't in the mood to offer like grace and repentance or forgiveness to anybody from that region, And that's the way Jonah thought about these Assyrians. The Assyrians had committed great atrocities against his people, and God's yet calling them to go to them to offer them a message of hope. I don't know about you, but it's hard to get on board with that. But let's look at this question here in your message notes. I want us to answer this question today. How do I follow God when I don't like where he's leading me? How do I follow God when I don't like where he's leading me? The first thing I have to do is to recognize that I can run, but I can't hide. I can run, but I can't hide. Well, let's pick back up in the story here, um, Jonah chapter 1, verse 3, it says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarsus. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarsus to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. Okay, let's pause for just a moment and talk about what Jonah's done here. So, God's called him to go to Nineveh, where Jonah was at that time it was probably 400 miles to the east of where Jonah was. So, it's a pretty big deal not only to go to these people but also to travel that distance. Well, Jonah goes down to the to the sea, to the Mediterranean Sea, gets in a boat and is heading across the sea to Tarshish. Now, at that time Tarshish would have been like the end of the world. This is the He doesn't even know what's over there. He just knows that it's there, and he's headed the opposite direction of where God is leading him. And yet, look at what God says. It says, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. It's like, Jonah, you can run, but you can't hide. He's like, Jonah, you know what? That very sea that you're on, I created it, and I have control over it, so you can try, but it is not going to work out. Well, this makes me think back to a time where I was actually running away from God in a moment. And so it was, it was about this time last year, and I was leaving work for the day, and I was pulling out of the parking lot. Now, if you were here last week, you may be having like some deja vu right now. You're like, I think I've heard this story before. It's actually a different story. So God keeps doing this. So a car is pulled over, and it's broken down right here in the parking lot. And so I'm sitting there, I'm, it's been a long day, and I'm reasoning, I'm like, you know, God, I know I should probably stop and help, but they've got a cell phone, you know, they, they could call somebody for help that they know, you know, or I'm not even a mechanic, what, what am I going to be able to do to help them anyway? So, I, you know, I felt the Holy Spirit nudging me to go, but I said, nah, and so I pulled out. Well, I start heading down the road, I live only just a little ways down the road, so I'm, I'm going down the road, and all of a sudden, my phone rings, and it was God. Actually, it wasn't God, it was LaSona, who works in our kids' ministry, but she was pulling out right behind me, and she says, hey, Will, I noticed that you were pulling out, and these ladies were broke down here. Did you happen to stop and check to see if they were okay? (laughs) Everybody has laughed every time when I've told that part. And there it was. I was driving in the opposite direction of where God was wanting me to go. I couldn't hide from him has this ever happened to you? Have you ever had one of those moments where you were running away and yet you felt like you couldn't hide? Maybe it was that difficult conversation that you knew you needed to have with that friend. Maybe that friend that is kind of starting to fall away from the Lord, but you know they know better and God's put you in their life to reach out to them. And yet you know it's going to be a difficult conversation. And so you're like, "Eh, I don't really want to do that. And yet, later that day, God brings another opportunity up for you to talk to them again. Or maybe it was one of those times where you have that neighbor. You know that neighbor that always seems to keep calling the HOA on you because... You got too much stuff in your yard or maybe like me, you have a cooler in your yard because you just went hunting and there's some stuff in there and you, you, know, you, you hadn't loaded it back in the garage yet or you know, maybe somebody keeps doing this and really you're kind of bitter and yet you find out that this person is going through a difficult time. Maybe they had a loss in the family and God's nudging you to take them a meal and reach out to them and, and yet you're kind of bitter and you're like, I, I really just, I don't want to do that. And so you don't. And then the next day you get up and you're going to work and you're driving out and somebody pulls up in your neighbor's driveway and you see them get out and they're carrying what looks like a casserole dish in. And God's like, hello, you could be doing that too. He's trying to remind you. So you see, God is continuing to pursue us. You know, just like God is running after Jonah, he's running after you too. He's going to continue to put opportunities in front of you again and again. This brings us to the second point, okay? So, your second fill in is I have to recognize that he pursues me while I'm running away. Now, I know this sounds similar to the first one, but I'm, you'll see here in the story of Jonah how God continues to pursue him. So, he pursues me while I am running away. You see, Jonah tried to sail away, but God is preventing this from happening because of the rough seas that he, he created. So the sailors on the boat, they start getting worried and they realize that this is bad. The ship is actually starting to break apart. So they start throwing stuff overboard. They're praying to their gods, asking God to, to save them. And they start looking around and they notice somebody's missing. They said, so we had this other guy. Like, Did he fall over? Where is he? And they start looking for... Jonah, and they look, and they go below deck, and they find Jonah sleeping. Sleeping. I mean, the storm is breaking apart the ship, and this guy is down there sleeping. I don't know about you, but I think this tells us a little bit about where Jonah's heart was at this time. I know that times in my life where I've chosen to kind of run away from God, I don't often sleep very well that night. Well, anyway, they figure out that Jonah was the reason for this calamity, for this storm and everything. And so Jonah's like, you're just going to have to throw me overboard. And they're like, Jonah, we can't throw you overboard. You're not going to make it out there. And so they row harder, but it's just not working. So they pray to God and they're like, God, have mercy on us while we kill Jonah because we don't know what else to do. So they throw him overboard. Well, Jonah hits the water and the water becomes calm. Now, I don't think Jonah was probably a very good swimmer, but I, I wonder if they were like, hey, Jonah, it's okay. Come on back on the ship. But that's not actually what they did. They're, they praise God. You can read this. So this part I'm telling you, I promise you, it's in there. You need to read this. So he says, they, they praised God and they vowed to follow him. But like Jonah, like, sorry, dude, you're, you're on your own, man. Um, and look at what happens next. Jonah 1 17, it says now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights God's not done with Jonah yet just as he thinks his life is over God presents him with this interesting uber ride to take him on some journey where he wanted him to go and So Jonah's in there for three days and three nights. He has some time to pray. I guess if you were in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights and you weren't dead, it's like, okay, I guess I'm going to be praying now. So he's praying and he wisely vows to obey God. Well, God finishes this Uber ride by having him thrown up on the shore and listen to what God says to Jonah next. Jonah chapter three, verse one, it's right there in your message notes. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Now I want you to circle that a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. So he's told them again. You see, God continues to pursue Jonah and he gives him a second chance. He never gave up on him. He continues to give him opportunities to follow him. You see, There are moments happening in our life all the time where God is asking us to follow him. And when we choose not to follow him because maybe we don't want to go where he's leading us, he's going to give you another chance. He's always running after us to try to get us to do it because he knows what's best for us. He loves you that much. As a matter of fact, the rest of this book right here, after Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, is about God pursuing us you know that? The rest of this book is about God running after his people, the people he created in his image. And just like God rescued Jonah from that watery grave, he wants to rescue you too. So I don't know if you're in here today and you haven't yet given your life over to Jesus and chosen to follow him, but I'm telling you, he wants you to follow him right now. He doesn't want you to wait anymore. And I believe that he's asking you to follow him right now because he loves you and he's provided a way to him through his son, Jesus. There's a prayer on the back of your message notes that you can pray right now and ask Jesus to take over and tell him that you are done running. Now for the rest of you. Do you see what God's doing? I'm sorry. Do you see how God is pursuing you? you see those moments in your life? let me go back to the story I was telling you earlier. So, you know, Lasona calls me up. I'm driving down the road in the opposite direction of where God was calling me. And so Lasona, a.k.a. the Holy Spirit, says, I I tell her, you know, no, I did not stop. And she goes on to I said, if you'll go ahead and check on them, I'll go home real quick. I'm almost there. I'm going to drop my stuff off. I'm going to pick up my oldest son, Gaines, and we're going to come back and we'll see if we can help. So I walk in the door and I tell my wife, I'm like... You know what? I'm a complete dirtbag. And I go on to tell her what I did. And she said, You just like drove away? And I'm like, Yeah, I was like, I was trying to come home to you, you know? And yet that didn't seem to work. She's like, Well, you need to go back. So I'm like, I'm going, I'm going. So Gaines and I get in the car and we start heading back up the road to where they were. And um, on the way, I can remember feeling like, Yes, this is the right thing to do. But honestly, inside, I was kind of like, I hope this doesn't take forever. <laughs> I know I'm a complete jerk. I know, I know. It's fine, but let me, let me give you a little disclaimer here. Anyone that has the word pastor before their name, I promise you struggles with the exact same things you struggle with, okay? We're no different, I promise you that. And just as one of my small group, uh, a co-small group leader that I was talking to earlier, he was like, he's like man, you need to get a little more Jesus in your life. And I was like, that's why I'm in your small group. Um, so anyway, um, so, but what about you? Has God given you those opportunities? Is he pursuing you? Is, it that, is he pursuing you to go and reach out and reconcile? Maybe, maybe it's with an ex. Maybe it's with a parent or someone that you've had a really damaged relationship with in your, in your past. And God continues to want you to reconcile. Reconcile. Maybe that's what he's calling you to do, but you just really haven't wanted to do that. Or maybe he wants you to show more grace to that coworker that really just gets on your every last nerve. Or maybe he's nudged you to speak up for him at work. Maybe you were having coffee the other morning and some of your coworkers start ranting about how terrible Christians are because they saw some post on social media that was misconstrued and made all Christians everywhere look like terrible people and God was giving you an opportunity to speak up on his behalf. And yet, it was scary, you were embarrassed, and you just didn't want to do it. Well, then at lunch, the same conversation comes up again with another group of people. There it is, God pursuing you, giving you the opportunity to, to reach out and to share what it truly means to be a Christ follower. God is so patient. He loves giving you another chance and another chance and another chance. And isn't this the way God responds when we run the other way? He continues to come after us. And just like he runs after Jonah, he's running after you. And, you know, you just have to be open to it. You've got to have your eyes open and your heart open to those things that he's leading you to. And take that step of faith and follow. Well, this brings us to our third point of the day. The third point is, I have to recognize that God desires my heart, not just my head. God desires my heart, not just my head. Jonah chapter three, verse three, it says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city and it took three days to go through it. Now, Jonah had been going through this city and he was preaching this amazing message. He was saying, 40 more days, And you're going to die if you don't turn to God. That was basically his message. It wasn't super inspiring or anything, but he just told them them like it was. And you would think it may not really inspire anyone to follow, but the king and all the people in that town actually turned and repented and turned towards God. And now you would think Jonah would be like, awesome, they actually listened. I can't believe they listened to that message, but they did. But that's not what Jonah's heart was like. Let's continue and watch this interaction between God and Jonah here. Jonah chapter three, starting in verse 10. It says, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. Continuing on in chapter four, it says, but to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That's why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Jonah would rather die than for these people to be saved. That's how much hate and anger he had inside of him. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Well, let me tell you how the rest of the story unfolds. Basically, Jonah goes up on top of a hill that overlooks the city and sits down. And he's just like, Lord, man, I hope you change your mind and you zap them and just burn them up. He just goes up there to sit and watch. But while he's sitting up there, it starts to get really hot. And so he's becoming angry. He wishes he was dead. And God causes this awesome plant to grow up over Jonah and give him some shade. So now Jonah's thankful. He's like, okay, God provided this plant. That's great. Well, then God sends this caterpillar the next morning to actually chew on the plant and injure it. And the hot wind and the sun caused the plant to wither and die. I'm telling you, you got to read your Bibles if you haven't heard this story. This is all in there. Now, you would think Jonah, he, you know, he's wrestling with God. Now he's angry and he starts whining about this plant dying. He's so sad the plant died because it provided him with shade. And listen to what God says in response to him. Jonah chapter 4, starting in verse 10, it says, But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? God's saying to Jonah, look, you care about this plant that you have nothing to do with. You're sad that it died, but these are people. These are people created in my image, and I love them, and you should love them too, Jonah. He's trying to get through with them, but God is telling Jonah, look, you obeyed me with your actions, but you haven't given me your heart. You ever do that? Sometimes you Follow God with your actions, but your heart's not really in it. Like when I was driving back up the road to help these ladies. Well, what about you? Do you have some people in your life that you simply cannot stand? I mean, Jonah had a real good reason not to like these people. They had committed great atrocities against his people, so it makes sense. So sometimes we can have a justifiable reason why we don't want to go where God's leading us because we just don't like them and. It, we've got a good reasons. We can justify it. Maybe they broke your trust. Maybe they spread false rumors about you. Maybe it's somebody who mistreated your family. I don't know if you're like me. If somebody mistreats a family member, that'll get you fired up more than just about anything, won't it? Maybe it's just because they're different than you. Or maybe you just don't want to sacrifice the time and the energy. It's just inconvenient for you to stop and reach out to that person that may be having car trouble. In the end, you think you have a justifiable reason not to follow God in that moment. But you see, just as God was after Jonah's heart and he was after the Ninevites' heart, he's after your heart and he's after my heart too. Now let me wrap up this story that happened with these ladies that, that uh, had broken down. So Gaines and I show up and sure enough, their car had overheated. And so we're like, well, maybe this is an easy fix. We'll run up the road here and get some antifreeze, put it in and, and send them on their way. Well, it didn't work. So they called a mechanic friend of theirs to come and tow them, tow them off. So we're like, well, we can at least hang out with these ladies It's starting to get dark, wait till they, they get loaded up and, and head home. And so as we're hanging out, we start asking them questions. Lasona starts inquiring about their family and about Christmas and what's going on. Come to find out it was a mom and her grown daughter and they clean houses in the area. And as we started asking them, are you guys excited about Christmas? Because it was about this time last year, they said, well, yeah, We would be, but honestly, things are tough right now, and we just don't have the money to get our kids any kind of Christmas presents, so they're just not going to get anything this year. So it's, you know, things are going okay, but we're sad about that. Well, Sona looked over at me, and she said, we just happen to have a big pile of presents right down there in the gym that all of you donated for the Giving Tree Project last year. So we said, okay. So we, we, we listened for a little bit, kept talking to him. We made a phone call to the person in charge of the gifts because we weren't just going to go take them, you know. So we called and we like, hey, here's the situation. Told them all of what was going on. I said, yes, please, go get some gifts. That's exactly why people donated. These was for people like this that are in need. So yes. So we went, we got some gifts, and we came back with them. And when we walked up to the car with these presents, if you had been there and you could have seen the tears well up in their eyes, they just kept saying, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. No, 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 no. you know, you have blessed me. Because, you see, when I went, I thought I was going to help somebody with a car problem that I didn't really know how to fix. But God had a different plan. He wanted to teach me something else. And he had something deeper that he wanted to happen in this situation. And just think, if I had chosen to continue down the road, what if when Sola called, I was like, yeah, sorry. I was in a big rush, I, you know, to get home. Can you check on them? Yeah, okay. And, but I went back and God allowed me to be a part of his plan and to see what it was that he was trying to teach me in that moment. And I believe that God is trying to do the same thing in your life. God doesn't want you to miss out on these opportunities either. And sometimes it may be a simple thing like stopping on the side of the road, but other times it may be he wants you to do the hard thing. He wants you to enter that river where the rough waters are, where it's difficult for you to go, but he wants to take you. And I promise if you'll step out in faith and you'll follow him to those people that you don't want to go to, whether it is a friend or a family member or somebody that you just don't get along with, whatever the case may be, I promise you God's going to walk with you through that difficult thing. And when those rough waters are all around you, he's gonna carry you through it. And on the other side, you're gonna see his plan. You're gonna see what he was doing and you're gonna grow in your relationship with Christ. And so is that person that you chose to reach out to and follow him in that moment. All right, let's go ahead and bow our heads and pray as we close. Father God, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for giving us second chances. God, whether that's following you for the first time or it is uh, those moments that sometimes we pass by because it's difficult. We just don't really want to do it. Um, or maybe it's just the inconvenient and it's going to take part of our day or our time. God, God we know that every day you're presenting us with opportunities to follow you. God, would you give us the strength? Would you give us the confidence in you? Would you give us the faith to take that step of obedience and follow. And God, would you you help our hearts to be in it? God, as you are running after Jonah's heart, God, I pray that you soften our hearts and you help us to run after you and know that you're right there walking alongside us and you want us to trust you in that. God, we thank you for the opportunities you're gonna give us this week to follow you. God, help us to do it. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.